And Jesus says to him, no. And I think we need to learn from Jesus. We need to learn to say no when the devil tempts us. When he tempts us to, to fulfill our own desires, to meet our own needs in a way other than what God has set out for us. And the temptation continues. There's, there's two other temptations. And eventually Jesus says to him, Satan, get out of here. The word of God says, you shall love the Lord your God and him alone will you worship. And the devil leaves him. And the angels come and minister to Jesus. And then it says in the book of Luke that Jesus returned from the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit's power. And it's interesting because if we will obey God and follow Him, and if we will resist the temptation of the devil to meet our own needs in our own way, to gratify the desires that we have in ourselves, in our own sinful nature, if we will resist that sinful nature and by the Spirit put to death that sinful nature, then the Holy Spirit will have rule and reign in our lives. And his power will begin to flow. And his life will come. And Jesus goes and he starts to preach the good news in Capernaum and in Galilee. By the Sea of Galilee. And he's walking there and we said it last week. And he sees two brothers, James and John. And they are with their boats and with their nets. And he calls out to them. Oh, sorry, it's Peter and Andrew first. And he says, come follow me. And immediately they drop their nets and they follow him. We said this last week. And he sees James and John and the sons of Zebedee with their father mending nets. And he calls to them as well and he says, come follow me. And they say, yes. And they drop their nets and they leave their boats and their nets and they leave their father and they follow Jesus. And we said last week, that call, Jesus calls to every single one of us. And he says, come and follow me. And we can choose to follow him. 
And the very next thing we see is Jesus starts to heal all the sick and cast out demons from people. And it says that everyone from all Judea and all the region and the Decapolis, the ten cities, were coming out to him and they were bringing to him all who were sick and all who were oppressed. And Jesus healed them all. The king had come. And his message was, repent of your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king was there. And the king was showing his power and his glory. And he was defeating the devil in the hearts and in the lives of individual people. And so what happens, understandably, is Jesus starts to draw a crowd. And Matthew chapter 5 starts off at that particular point. Can we read it together, faith? Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth And he taught them, saying... Now, Jesus did not teach the crowds this. Many people think the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus teaching the crowds. He didn't teach the crowds. His disciples came to him, the ones who had said, I will follow you. And he taught them. And so they had heard that the king is coming. They had heard the the call of the king. They had seen the king. They had seen his power at work. His miracles at work. And now the king was about to deliver his mandate to them. He was about to lay out the rules for his followers. Would you like to hear them? Let's read on. Um, We've somehow skipped to the ESV. Can we um, use the new living, please? I know Jean is behind you. He asked you for the ESV. It's his preference. I'm kidding. I know it is written in the the NLT as well. There we go. And this is what he taught him. Verse 3. There we go. God blesses those who realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is given to them. Blessed are you if you realize that you need God. Because the world doesn't realize that they need God. The first requirement to enter the kingdom is that you realize that you need God. Is that you realize that you cannot do this thing on your own. 
is that you realize that this thing, this walk, this journey is too hard. The gate is too narrow. I am too fat. I cannot fit through the narrow gate. My flesh is too great. The path is too steep. I need God. Most of us, when we come to Jesus, we're at that point. Whatever it is in your life, the circumstances, the pain, somehow the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes by His beautiful grace, and you realize you need God. I remember being a little boy in Harare, like Vincent. Don't fall asleep, Vincent. I will find you. And I remember as a little boy, we didn't have showers and stuff like that in Zimbabwe. We had a bath. And we used to fill the bath. It would take about 20 minutes. And I remember I used to go and sit in the bath. And, and that was kind of the, the one time of the day that it was just me on my own. Actually, there were lots of other times, but I was usually with the dogs or stuff like that. I didn't have any brothers or sisters. And I remember sitting in the bath. And I remember thinking to myself, because you know when you're a little boy when you've done stuff wrong. And I remember thinking, I don't, I, I, I don't think my parents will find out. But somehow I knew that God knew. What I had done is I had gone into our garage and my dad enjoyed a drink called ginger ale. Schweppes ginger ale. It was amazing. When you, when you open that cap and then you try to drink it, the ginger somehow comes and hits you in the throat. And it's like, <coughs> as you drink it. And, and, and I just wanted to drink it more and more and more. And so every day I would go. And I mean, there were th three crates, bo wooden boxes with glass bottles of ginger ale. And it was amazing because if you open the lid, you can drink some. And then you can just press the lid back down. I wasn't allowed to be in there. And I wasn't allowed to drink it, but I did anyway. Until all of the bottles in the three crates had about that much left in them. Because I figured in my little mind... The cans are back, the, the, the lids are back on, no one will notice. And then I remember going into the lounge the one day, and the man who we employed as our man who looked after the garden and stuff like that was in there, and my dad was in there, and my dad was furious. And he was saying, How dare you drink my drinks? And the man was standing there, oh, I, I, I didn't, I. I And I was filled with fear because I knew it was me and not him. And I didn't say anything. And that's the evening I'm talking about when I went and sat in the bath. And I felt this heaviness 
on me. I knew I had done wrong. And I remember thinking, how do I fix it? I was scared of my dad. And now it was worse. And my mom came in. And I remember saying to her, Mommy, how do I fix when I've done something wrong? And she didn't know. She said, just be a good boy. walked out and then I realized I'm not a good boy and I knew somehow and the Bible says all of us are sinners all of us there's not one who is good not even one not even the best of us are good But God is good. I did end up telling my dad that it was me. I felt it for about three weeks. But John, who worked for us, was very happy with me. Because he still worked for us. And the problem is, is that as we go through life, the kindness of God whispers to us and says, you need me. You have a problem. And sin is that problem. But the devil lies and he says, you need to cover it up. You need to look like you're okay. Everything will be okay. He's the father of lies. Like William said, Everything will not be okay. Because those who don't realize their need for God, those who don't respond in a certain way to that sin and to the call and to the, and to the conviction of God, they will go forever to hell without God. And so the response that is required is in the very next verse. Because Jesus said, blessed are you when you realize that you need God, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. And as soon as you realize that, like I did in the bath that day, the next verse applies. God blesses those who mourn. Because the right response to realizing our sinfulness, our dirtiness, our having missed the mark with God, is to mourn. It's to weep. It's to be broken. But we can't do that on our own either. We can't realize our need for God on our own unless the Holy Spirit convicts us. We can't respond rightly without the Holy Spirit's help to bring us to repentance. Remember the people coming. John preached his message and they confessed their sins. They said, I am a sinner. I need God. And he baptized them. 
That's the right response. That is the way into the kingdom, is to realize your need for God and to begin to mourn over the state of your heart and your life. The next verse. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly for the whole earth will belong to them. What does it look like for somebody who realizes that they need God, who realizes that their life has missed God's mark, that they are full of sin, and who are truly sorrowful? That kind of person is extremely humble and lowly and gentle. Aren't we? It's just the simple next step. See, if we think we're okay, and we think somehow we did this thing, and we're earning this thing because of how good we are, then we are puffed up. And we look down our noses at others. But when we realize that it's all grace, it's all mercy, it's all His kindness and His goodness, then we are humble. Blessed are you and the devil comes again and he says you can't let people see that you did that oh the shame and you're like you know what with the grace of God you're like I am the worst of sinners there's nothing good in me blessed are those who come to that point because they've taken their next step into the kingdom and the next verse. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. That word justice is not well translated in the New Living Translation. It's the Greek word, I have no idea. The word is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed, <laughs> happy are those who desire righteousness, who desire to be righteous, who realize their need for God, who mourn over their sinfulness, who are humbled at their lack and who thirst to be made righteous. Can you see how it works? Because they will be filled with righteousness. They will be given a righteousness that they didn't earn. They will be given grace from God. They will be clothed with a righteousness that was bought by the righteous one. The one who lived a life that was perfect and took all the punishment for our sins. The one who takes our iniquities upon himself and clothes us with his righteousness. Jesus. 
You know, I was reading this, and I was very upset with myself. Because very often, I'm not longing for righteousness. There's long periods in my life that I, I, I forget that I need God. I'm a lead elder, after all. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter who you are. All of our hearts are the same. And we desperately need to want to be righteous. And you might be sitting here and you don't want to be righteous. If you're like me, there's lots of things that, that that you desire that are other than the righteousness of God and the kingdom of God. Maybe you want to be loved. You want to be liked. You want to be successful. You want to be part of the in crowd you want your friends to think that you're something and, and you want those things more than you want the righteousness of God I know it's probably just me but that's another example of how this is again only by the gift of God to us because without the Holy Spirit we don't even want to be righteous. That's how sick our hearts are. With sin. Next verse. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Jesus told the story of a, of a king. And there was a man who, owned, who owed the king. An incredibly large sum of money. Let's say, for example, huh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so the Holy Spirit said I must use myself as an example. So for those of you who don't know, um, I started my own business in 2008 because I was really let down by the person that I was working for. I was very angry with him. He hurt me a lot. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to rely on someone else again. I'm going to build my own city that I can rely on. And the very first business deal that I did, I was defrauded for just over 25 million US dollars. And the, the, uh, the interest rate was 24% per annum, it was 2% per month. Um, and uh, that meant that basically every quarter I owed one and a half million dollars in interest. So just so that you, let me talk in rand, $25 million, that's about 480 million rand that I was suddenly in debt, personally. So I know what it's like to be that guy that owes the king 
an unbelievable amount of money. I had no job at the time. I had no income. I had no way of repaying it. And Jesus tells a story of a person just like that. He owes the king 500 million rand. And he has no way to repay it. And the interest is incredible. He can't even afford the interest, never mind repaying the capital. That was me. Oh, the grace and the goodness and the kindness of our God. Sorry, I'm just thankful. And the king calls the man in and he says, pay me what you owe me. And the man says, oh, I can't. I'm indebted to you. It's beyond what I can. It's beyond. He realized his need for the king. He realized. And he was mourning. And he longed to be forgiven. He had the first few. And the king said, don't worry. I forgive your debt. And the man is like, no ways. He's so happy. And he turns around and he walks out. And in the king's courtyard, he sees his friend who owes him five rand because he bought him an ice lolly the day before. And the guy says, oh, I'm sorry. I did, I, I, today I, I don't have it. And, and, he, and he goes to him to help me. I'm too scared to hurt you, Cliff. <clears throat> With Cliff, there's always an unequal and opposite reaction. <clears throat> and he goes up to the man and he grabs him by the throat. And he starts to pay me back now. And the man is like, please, I, I don't have it on me. I'll, I'll make a plan. I'll, I'll try to. And he's like, no, you pay me now. And he's, and he's he is not merciful. And one of the king's servants watches this. And he goes to the king and he says, You know what that guy just did? And the king calls him back. And he says, Throw him into prison until he's repaid every cent that he owed me. And this is the problem with us who follow Jesus. Is we forget the debt that we have been forgiven. And so we struggle to be merciful to each other. But Jesus said, blessed are you who are merciful to one another. Because that is what one will be like when the Father has been merciful. The next verse. <laughs> All of that was okay until now. I mean, I was still following Jesus up until that point. Just, 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 maybe, by the skin of my teeth, holding on, able to follow. And then he, he lands the killer blow. Blessed are you 
whose hearts are pure, for you will see God. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> As they say in Scotland, I can't. Eat. I can't do it. I can't follow you, Jesus. My heart is not pure. I'm out of the race. I'm out of the team. I'm out of the group. I'm, 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 I don't qualify. Because my heart is not pure. My heart is full of wickedness. My heart is full of selfishness. It's full of... You know. Don't you? Is it just me? So let's just park that for now. The next one. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. And the next one. God blesses those who are persecuted, because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then it goes on to say about how, you know, be happy when those... Um, around you, persecute you and hurt you and lie about you and, and say all kinds of evil things about you because of you follow Jesus because they did the same to the prophets and they did the same to the master. And if we're going to follow him, we should expect just the same. Basically, Jesus is saying, it's not going to be fun to follow me, guys, just so you know. It's going to be hard. Okay. And so Jesus says this to his disciples, and they're probably sitting around, looking at him, looking at each other, thinking like I was. Like, we are stuffed. How do we follow? Oh, I mean, I said I would follow. I left my boats, yeah? I left my nets, I left my dad, I left. But now, I want to follow, but how do I do this? And then Jesus begins... To teach even more. Can you see why I went away for four days thinking I'm going to read the New Testament and I got stuck in Matthew chapter 5. And he begins to teach. And he says. Let's move on. More. You are the salt of the earth. He's talking to me. He said. Lucas, you are salt of the earth. And I'm like, am I? And then he says, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Have I lost my flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Yeesh, Lord, please, just. Can we do the easy things first? Next, you are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Does anyone feel like your life is that at the moment? Uh, nor did I. Carry on. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. I felt like, you know, I'm trying to 
light up Cape Town with my cell phone light. Difficult. And then he continues. Next one. Don't misunderstand why I've come, Jesus says. Okay? We are going somewhere. We're not just going to read the whole of Matthew. Jesus says to them, don't misunderstand. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. In other words, you've heard that it was said, love the Lord your God and serve him only. Have no idols. Don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Don't com- I have not come to put that aside. I haven't come to make it easier, Jesus is saying. I have come to fulfill it. And I'm sure they were thinking, I don't even know what you mean. Like, how are you going to fulfill it? Because this is a requirement that you have on us. Okay, I I know you're not with me yet, but you will be in a second. Let's keep going. I assure you until heaven and earth disappear, even the smallest detail of God's law will remain until its purpose is achieved. Continue. So if you break the smallest commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Keep going. But I warn you, unless you obey God better than the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees do, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven at all. In other words, unless you're better than those guys with the robes and the beards, the guys that know the law, that teach it to you, that that are trying to obey it with everything that they have, they're trying to, they are so fastidious. Wow, that's an amazing word. They are so diligent in it. I mean, it's their whole life. Unless you're better than them at keeping the law, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Like Jesus can you please slow down? The bar is way too high now. It's like, you know, hey, Lucas, do you want to come do high jump? Yes, I love that sport. Okay, you know, I did it like this at school probably. And then he says, okay, jump over that thing. Are you feeling the same? Let's keep going. (laughs) And then Jesus raises it even higher. He says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you have to be better at them. But the law that they are trying to keep, I'm going to raise it even higher than that now. You have heard that it was said that the law of Moses says, don't murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. All of us are going to be like, okay, that's okay. I'm probably not going to murder someone in my life. Hopefully. I hope you're thinking that. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot... You are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Lord. Um, Anyone who has not been angry 
or who has not cursed at someone, especially while driving. Anyone who, who, who has not been, please just, just wave. Just, just, just put up your hand like nice and high so that we can all. We, I'm angry almost every day. I mean, I've got five kids. <laughs> he then goes on to say, uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, let's move on. Quickly. Again. Wait. You have heard that the law of Moses says, do not commit adultery. Like, okay. I think I'm going to be okay with that one. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. So, if your eye, even if it is your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Hamak. Who are you, Lord? And this sounds like a cult. You know what I mean? How many guys with patches do you see? It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You're like, whoa. Uh, you know, I'm trying to refresh here at the beginning of a year. I'm in a campsite in Jeffreys Bay. This is too heavy for me. And so I think, let me just move on. Maybe I can just ignore. But then I remember. Oh, no, hold on. Jesus says, I want you to know I haven't come to abolish this law. I've come to fulfill it. And anyone who ignores even the least of my commands and teaches someone to do the same, he will be least in the kingdom of heaven. Do not ignore what I'm saying. I have a serious problem now. Because I want to follow you, Lord. But I can't. I want to obey you. But I can't. I agree that it, what you ask of us is good. It's good not to be angry, right? It's good not to lust after people, right? It's good and it's right and it's pure and it's perfect. But I am not any of those things. Because Romans chapter 7, please, faith. I don't know where it is. I'll find it. Somewhere near the middle. 
Romans. Sorry, I forgot my Bible at home, so I'm using my phone. Here. Verse 14. The rest of Romans chapter 7 is amazing, especially the first bit. I don't think we'll get to it today. We're running out of time, but we will, we will look at it, okay? But from verse 14, it says, so the trouble, we're, we're there. V- verse 14, the law is good then. The trouble is not with the law, but with me. Because I am sold into slavery with sin as my master. Me, Lucas, the trouble is with me. It's not with the law. You see, I started off by saying that God is good. And God is holy and he's great and he's kind. And therefore, everything that he teaches and requires of us is good and holy and excellent. The law is perfect. That's why Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't come... God being beautiful and high and lifted up and he looks at us and he realizes we are sinful and incapable and we can't. And so he didn't come to lower the standard of God to us so that we can qualify. He didn't do that. The law is good because God is good and God ain't changing and the law isn't changing. The problem is not with the law. The problem is with me. I'm sold into sin. I am a slave to sin. Sin is my master because of a sinful nature that is in me that I can't separate myself from. Let's read it. Please, faith. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. We've gone to the ESV again. Shame, Faith. Thank you, Faith. You're doing so awesome. I'm playing when I... Okay. But now, we are in verse 6. Okay, number 14, we were 14, probably 15. Oh, are the numbers difficult with the new living? Yeah, I'm so naughty. There we go. The law is good then. The trouble is not with the law, but with me because I'm sold. Okay, we, have, we got that. Number 15, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. Anyone relate? I see and I agree that God is good and He's high and He's lifted up and His law is perfect and it's wonderful. I just can't do it. Instead of doing what I want to do, who who wants to please God? Even that's a gift. Even that's a gift. Even that is grace. Because most of the world doesn't even want to do what God wants. 
Yes, I failed even there. This guy is better than I am. He wants to do what's right and can't. He does what he hates. I'm sometimes just doing what I love, which is sin. 16, uh, 17. But I can't help myself because it is the sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. Next one. I know that I'm rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I am doing what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. The sin within me is doing it. I'm like... Hold on. Did the Bible really say that? Huh? So, so, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not really me that's doing it. It's the sin in me that's doing it. Is that a way out? No. Okay. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do What is wrong? I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Stop there. This is the problem that I think we have, is we see God, we see Jesus, we see the Spirit of God descend on Him, we see Him be baptized, we hear the heavens open, we're like, this is my Son who always pleases me, listen to what He says, and we're like, yes, and we see Him healing and raising the dead and and casting out the demons, we see the kingdom of God invading earth at the king's arrival and we hear his call and we say, I want to follow you Jesus, I want to be like you and then he puts a standard up there for following that we just can't meet and then we think I don't know what to do and many of us Maybe not immediately, but over time. Turn our back the other way. And we stop following. Because we just can't. Can I share? We're five minutes past eleven. Can I share the solution with you quickly? Next verse. Thank God. Thank God for what? The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You're like, I I, I don't understand. How is the answer in Jesus Christ? My Lord. Well, part of the answer, 
part of the answer. The first small, well, massive actually, the first part of this massive, beautiful answer is that because we can't, He did. What we could not do, God did in Christ. He sent His Son to live a perfect life. He never sinned. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled it. He obeyed God in every respect to the point of terrible crucifixion and death. He suffered and he died. And he paid the price so that we might receive the righteousness of God as a free gift. And for most of us, we think that's the good news. And it is. But it's only the first part of the good news. Anyone who realizes their need for God, the Holy Spirit has already been working on you. Anyone who mourns over your sinfulness, the Holy Spirit has been working. He's convicting you. Anyone who is humble, I need you, God. The Holy Spirit has been working. Anyone who realizes, I can't do this thing, the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes so that you can see the beauty and the kindness and the goodness of Jesus. And when we decide to follow him, when we decide to say, I need you, Jesus. When we, when we say, I believe in you. Romans chapter 10. That those who are the children of God are not those who try to get in by obeying the law. But those who believe that they have the righteousness of God in Christ. They are saved through faith. That's the first half of the good news. Who has believed in Christ? Who is holding on to Christ? Who is relying on Christ to be saved? That's wonderful. You all have the first half of the good news. But the second half of the good news is found in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, faith, New Living Translation. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What William said when he came up here. Those who belong to Jesus will be saved. Those who don't belong to him will go to hell. For those who belong to him. There's no condemnation. We've been forgiven. There's so much more. I'll tell you next week about that bit. Now we go on. Verse 2. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. This is the second half. And I'll go into the detail of it next week. 
This is the second half of the good news. The first half is if you see Christ and you believe in Him, you will be forgiven for your sins and saved. And there's no condemnation for you. You are justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. But the second half, (laughs) the second good news is that God Himself will fill you with His Spirit. He doesn't just say, come and follow me in your own power. And so, come and follow me, Gavin. And Nick, come, come follow me. Except you can't climb stairs. Come and follow me. You can't climb stairs. Come, come follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. They can't climb stairs. They can't follow me. So they are forgiven. That's exactly what happens. Is we can't climb the stairs, so we think, okay, I know I'm forgiven, but I'm still stuck sinning every day. The good news, come back, Nick. Cricker. Jesus fills us. With his spirit who picks us up. (laughs) In our inability and fills us with power. (laughs) That we didn't have. And He sets us free from our weakness and our sinful nature. And the Spirit of God, who is the power of God, who is the life of God, who is the holiness of God, He comes into our hearts and into our lives. And the sinful nature is dominated. And Romans 8 starts to talk about what a blessed life we have. Those of us who are no longer restricted and controlled and dominated by the sinful nature. But we who are the children of God have the Spirit of God living inside of us. And we Follow the Spirit of God and He brings His holiness and His grace and His power and He defeats the enemy inside. And so, to the extent that we surrender to the Spirit... We become like Him. But it's an interesting walk. The gospel, the good news, is not just that God, through Christ, forgave us for our sins. But the good news 
is Christ in me. The life of God, the power of God, the hope of God, the sanctification of God, the cleansing of God. And then it goes on to say, because we have been freed from the sinful nature, and we now no longer are obliged to follow the urges of the sinful nature that it tempts us with, we can do what Jesus said and say, no, and follow the Spirit. But we'll talk more about that next week. I would like to um, I would like to call it's not me calling I just want to put into words the call of God for you today anyone who's here that has never responded to follow Jesus and today you have seen that beautiful Jesus and you want to respond and say I want to follow you I want to be yours well done well done anyone else anyone else that would like to do that put up your hand put up your hand just raise it don't be scared put up your hand anyone else who wants to follow Jesus be bold raise your hand William, you got your hand up. Good boy. You too, Brett. Well done. Who else wants to follow Jesus? For the f- you've, you've never decided before. You know what's interesting? I won't be long. You know what's interesting? You ask your little child, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Heaven. Do you want to follow Jesus? Yes. You ask an adult, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Um... Jesus is calling. And I want to ask you to obey. If you can feel him moving in your heart this morning. And you have never decided to follow him before. Today's your day. I want to pray with you. Please put up your hand. waiting for you anyone obey him yes it's becoming uncomfortable I know I love it anyone else okay come and join me come come William come Brett come Annie come Jen we're going to pray with you thank you pray with me Father God Father God I want to follow Jesus I want to come to you I want to follow Jesus I didn't hear that I want to follow Jesus I want to follow Jesus with all that I am with all that I am 
Please forgive me. Please forgive me. For my sins. For my sins. I'm yours. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done. Well done. And um, for the rest of us who are following, I think next week we are going to go into what it means to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Is it okay if we leave it at that for today? Let's just pray a prayer that just says, Holy Spirit, I want to follow you. And I want you to fill me. Can we do that? Holy Spirit, thank you that you come. Thank you for the good news. That it's your power in us. Holy Spirit, we need you so much. We can do nothing without you. We can't do this life without you. We can't follow Jesus without you. It's all you. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now, would you come and fill every heart that is longing for you. Every heart that needs your power. Please, would you come even now, Lord? Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.